My name is Pius. I was born in Uganda. Probably some of you don't even know where Uganda is. Hey, hi, Mac. <laughs> so uh, I was born in Uganda, in East Africa. So by God's grace, in 2003, I had the privilege of coming to America. Now, like most people in Africa, America is it. So once you come to America, there is no heaven, probably. That's why people think heaven is here in America. <laughs> Until you get here, that's when you find out it's not. <laughs> but in 2003, I had the wonderful privilege of coming to America. And then I became an American citizen by God's grace in 2008. But something better than that happened to me in 2006. One of the members of Grace Community Church actually led me to Christ. I left Uganda as a non-believer, but this brother was so faithful with the word of God. So he phoned me. I was working as a security guard in, at the Writers Guild down in West, West um, LA. But then uh, that day, by God's divine intervention, somebody called off in Glendale. So where uh, there is Bank of uh, City Bank in Glendale. So uh, they sent me there to work that day. And this brother, a member of Grace called Byron, found me there. And he was surprised to see somebody not familiar to him. And he's like, who are you? I don't know you. I'm like, me either. So why are you here? Where is my friend? I'm like, I don't know your friend, but they sent me here. So he said, you have an accent. Where are you from? I'm like, okay, I'm from Uganda. It's like, Uganda, is that true? Again, Grace Church had a missionary by the name of Shannon Hurley, who is in Uganda. So, Bylon's interest was to go to Uganda, but he didn't even know where Uganda is. But to find a Ugandan standing on his door excited him. So, he invited me to come to church, and I, I, I politely dec- uh, declined. I said, oh, I cannot come. Because again, from Africa to America, you begin to think money. Because there is jobs here. There's no jobs in Uganda. So my interest was working. But this brother persisted. He called me every week. He invited me to church. And I could not come. We met in June. But he did not stop until November. It was too much. And I said, okay, I'll come. So... I came, and by God's grace, I didn't know what they were saying, because that was my first time. So his roommate was getting married, and the wedding was down in San Diego. So that attracted me. So when he invited me to go to the wedding, I said, yes. You can imagine having an unbeliever in your car from L.A. to San Diego. And you know what happened there. They preached the gospel to me from... (laughs) From LAX all the way to San Diego, by the time I came out of the car when we reached Grace, I was born again. (laughs) And um, we serve such a wonderful God. Just look at how, what God has used that day. The reason why I'm standing here, it's not because I'm a smart guy or I'm clever, but it's because of the faithfulness of Byron. Tonight, I just want us to talk 
about that. Because even you, you can become a baron to somebody else. Again, as I said, I'm from Uganda. I think I better take you to Uganda because we're interested in knowing what is happening there. So in September last year, Uganda experienced a deadly outbreak of the Ebola virus. Now, for most of us, maybe we are familiar with the covid but Ebola, again, the chances of you, when you catch it, I think it's like in 95%, you're going to die of it. And Mark was reminding me, COVID, it's like 98, you will not die. But Ebola, 95%, you are gone. That's a sure deal. So we had that. And this outbreak lasted for four months. But during the four months, the entire country of Uganda was in a total panic. Because again, like I said, you catch it, you're done. And again, the, 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 this viral uh, strain that we had in Uganda, it's called the Sudanese Ebola. It has no um, vaccine. So everybody's like, oh God, don't bring that to me. And for, 50, for four months we had that. So during that period, 55 people lost their lives. Six of them were medical workers, again, doctors and nurses. And on January 11th, 2023, Uganda was declared Ebola-free to our delight and relief as people who live in that country, even the visitors who go there. But again, as they declared Uganda Ebola-free, on February 6th, an earthquake hit Turkey, as you all know, and Syria, and more than 47,000 people lost their lives, including some Ugandans. Again, we have a war going on in Ukraine, our brothers from Russia. Again, nobody knows the end of this. But as this continues, people are losing their lives. People are dying. Yet, to me and you, even as I look in this room, life seems to be perfectly normal for me and you. Despite of all the news that we hear around us, the bad reports around the globe. I'm sure now some of you are saying, why is this guy saying this? Uh, I, I don't even want to hear something like that. I, I'm not interested in sad reports. I just want something positive. Guess what? I think you were wrong. And you know why? I'm here to remind you that in a world full of bad news, you are the fountain of good news in the world we are in because of who you represent. The question I have for you tonight is, how faithful are you with the good news in the midst of bad news around us? Again, how faithful are you with the good news? Again, if you can... Ponder that, I want us to focus on a passage in our Bible because it reminds you just that, that you were a fountain of good news. So if you can open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, this evening I want us to focus on only one passage. And in this one passage, Paul kind of gives us three highlights. And I want us to put our thoughts to this as the members who are saved. I mean, as believers, Paul highlights these crucial roles that we should undertake them. 
for the glory of our God. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5 reads. Okay. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. Let's pray. Precious Heavenly Father, our God and King, Lord, you know how inadequate I am. Lord, the word before us provokes us to go for you. Lord, I pray that my brothers and sisters would be encouraged tonight to be those fountains of good news. So, Lord, speak to us. It's in your name I pray. Amen. So, are you ready to represent him? Is the question. And as you ponder that question again, three roles, Paul reminds me and you here. And the first one is a reminder to me and you that this is an assignment. Amen. And for most of us, we have to be reminded of that assignment. Secondly, I want us to reroute our attention to what is around us and focus on the assignment God has given us. And lastly, this is a reward and deserved to any of us. Again, how faithful and are you ready? Look at our passage. It says, therefore... We are ambassadors for Christ. Again, as good Bible students here, you may wonder, why is this guy jumping over from all the 19 verses and is jumping into verse 20? Again, I'm a missionary. Amen? I'm an ambassador for Christ, and I believe I was one of you. I used to sit just where you're sitting. Now I represent him. I don't deserve that privilege. So, if can you imagine if this room would just attack one place in Van Nuys for him? Do you know the impact of that? So, Paul here is saying, we are ambassadors for Christ. Again, he's putting himself there. Him and me and you, he's saying we are ambassadors. But why? We begin with that word there. Therefore, and therefore, in the Bible, it points you back for what he had already said. So Paul is saying, like in verse 19, verse 19 reads that, namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Again, when we talk about reconciliation here, it shows some enmity. There is some enmity already between God and me and you. We are already his enemies. But he's saying here that it is him, God himself. He's the one who takes the initiative to reconcile you to him. Otherwise, as a wicked man, I cannot choose God any day. My attention is already focused somewhere else. But Paul is reminding me and you that, hey, guys, this is a reminder for you. We are on assignment. Again, preaching the gospel is a job most of us don't want to do. 
Yet the Bible is saying you are an ambassador. Now, who is an ambassador? An ambassador is somebody who represents someone. For example, Uganda has an ambassador in America, but how many of you know him? But if you want to go to Uganda, guess what? You will know him. Oh, he lives in Washington, D.C. Because there is an interest there. Even our God, he is setting you in this very city, L.A., to represent him. But an ambassador can do a good job, or you can represent your interest, not the one who sent you. But Paul is reminding you that you are representing not a man, by the way, but the creator of the universe. He has given you authority to represent him here in the lay. Again, how faithful are you? When we talk of reconciliation here, again, I said we are enemies. Uh, I want to tell you a story of a man called Idi Amin. Most of you, maybe you've heard of that name. He was a president in Uganda almost 50 years ago. He died, but he was so brutal. And for some reason, he's the only Ugandan people know, despite that fact. But he had his minister, who used to do those, uh, who committed those atrocities to Ugandans. His name is Moses Ali. He's still alive. He's 85 years. But he waged a war after Amin lost power in 79. This guy started from where he left, and he started a rebellion in the northern part of the country, and he wanted to take power. But... He was defeated. And in the process, the man who is in, in charge now of Uganda has been there, has been president for the last 35 years. So after capturing Moses Ali, he surrendered and this guy joined his government. So the, the man who was waging war against him, he's been his minister, prime minister now for the past 25 years. But this is a man who killed people with Idi Amin, who made Uganda very popular because of their brutality. But because of the new regime, he reconciled, he asked forgiveness from the people. Now he's been a prime minister for the last 25 years, second prime minister. But if you ask him about Idi Amin, it's like he, he arrests everything about Idi Amin. Now he's for this new government, which is serving. Even for us, when we get that reconciliation with our God, we become new creatures. We are no longer those men who we are. We become new creatures in him. Again, he says that. So the call here is for me and you to be reconciled to him. Then we shall have this assignment and we shall promote it wherever he sends us. Because God again me and you, we, were, we, we are enemies of God. Again, as you know, in Romans 3.23, the word is clear that all have sinned. So we are sinner. That's why we need to be reconciled to him. And Isaiah 59.2 says that your sins, your iniquities have separated you from your God. And Jesus Christ becomes this bridge between him and God that we are reconciled. So again, when Paul talks of reconciliation and then making us an ambassador of him, it's because of the reconciliation through Jesus Christ. So again, look at the second part of our passage. You say, although God were making an appeal through us, 
we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Imagine God begging you to be reconciled to him. And that's what he's doing. That's why I want you to reroute your attention. Why are you reconciled and not your neighbor? Again, when you go to Romans 10, 14, it says that how will they call on him whom they have not known? Amen? And how will they call on him without a preacher? It is you to go to him. Again, I used to do outreach here. But in all the years, I've done outreach wherever I went. I've never seen a sinner come to me and say, you seem like a pastor. Tell me about Christ. Has that miracle happened to any of you? It has to be you. Because it is you who knows who God is. These people, they don't care. They don't know. Again, in America, people are well funded, I would say. They have their money. You have insurance. You have everything you need. So which God are you talking about? If I have my insurance, if you hit my car, I'm going to get another one anyway. Their insurance becomes everything to them. Again, there is no need. Now, but for you, who knows? I want us to look at verse 10 uh, of this of 2 Corinthians 5, 11. Verse 10 reads that for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Do you know there are some people who don't even know there is judgment, by the way? Because they are good people. They live a good life. They have never done anything which they think is wrong. But totally they disregard that there is God in heaven who loved them, who died for them. But they don't know. But you have to remind them that there is a day that is coming when me and you are going to stand before him to give an account of all that we've done. Again, look at verse 11 of that very chapter after verse 10. It says that, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, what do we do? We persuade men. Again. To persuade means to do what? You know more English than I do. (laughs) To persuade them. Again, literally just seeing someone, someone in trouble and saying, man, don't take that route. That's what we do. Kind of to stop them when they are going to hit something bad. Brothers and sisters, they are men. And some of you know them, probably in your own families. Who really need to know this? Can you imagine, I just read to you, 47,000 people lost their life in Turkey and Syria. Did they get an appointment from that earthquake that I'm coming the next four minutes? It just came. Why them and not you? But did you, have you ever thought of their spiritual condition? Even as you heard the news that an earthquake has hit Turkey. Did you think if they were believers, really? Or when was the last time you prayed for people in Turkey to be saved? Okay, Turkey is very far. What about the people in Venice? How much do you care? 
God is rerouting your attention to those around you, those in your family who do not have a relationship with him. Again, we are in this wonderful church, well taught. But how faithful are we with the teaching that we receive here? Again, we have John, precious preacher in the world, not here at Grace, but all over the world. But are you representing him well as is a student of the word? You are a steward of God's truth. So Paul is reminding you of the assignment that you are representing God. Amen? And as his representative, I know you are busy people, but tonight I want you to reroute your attention from your busy schedules and think of your neighbors, of your brothers, of your cousins who do not know Christ, yet you are entrusted with the wonderful message of life, the gospel, where men can actually change position from enemies to sons and daughters of the creator of the universe. Are you faithful with the gospel? Paul is reminding you that you are an ambassador as though God himself were making an appeal through you. Now you may think this job is for Mark because he's the, he's the lead of this Bible study. But even you, guys, think of what Jesus said. There are legions and legions of angels in heaven. But guess what? They're not doing this. Because God trusts that you and you are going to do it because you know what this means. This is how precious it is for him. So you represent him. Again, how faithful are you with the gospel? Remember the assignment. Reroute your attention. And again, I want us to see how beautiful this comes together in verse 21, where he says that therefore, no, no, verse 21 say that he made him who knew no sin to be seen on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Again, Knowing what God did for me, wicked man pronounced guilty, and I know it, Jesus comes in, takes the penalty for my sin. He dies for on my behalf so that the privilege I get from that is his own righteousness. Because I'm messed up and I know it. But he takes the penalty. God puts his son, who knew no sin. Again, Second Peter says that, First Peter, I think, too. He said that no deceit was found in his mouth. He had no sin. And this one repeats the same. Never sinned. Yet, the whole world lies guilty before him. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned, all of us, in this room, including the Pope, by the way. <laughs> and uh, 
Romans 6.23 is clear that the wages of sin is what? Death. Yet here we see him dying without committing any sin. What does that mean to you? Think about it. Again, I'm flying back to Uganda in a few days. I want you to see the picture of, uh, I mean, substitution. Again, like I always fly this. Again, it's about 16 hours from LA to Dubai. And you're sitting in this economy class. Again, you're, you're not feeling well. This guy comes, sees you and says, hey, are you, are you on this flight? Okay, yes, I am. Like, okay. You seem not to be doing well. What's up? I'm, I'm sick. And they say, okay, let me talk to this person for you. And then he calls one of the airline attendants and say, this guy I think is sick. Uh, by the way, are you sitting 74D? You are in the middle. And say, okay, let me talk to her. And then this woman comes and say, okay, come with me. And it takes you to first class where this guy was and is taking your place. Again, I'm, I'm not saying this is what Jesus did, but I, I just want you to picture that. Because again, for somebody who fly economy and somebody is going to put in first class on a 16-hour flight, they, I mean, they have bathrooms there. I mean, you can take a shower. <laughs> yeah, you take a shower in Emirates. You have a bed. So for 16 hours, you are cruising in your bed. You land, I don't know what is happening. So that's what they do in the first class. Now, I mean, when you think about that with the economy whereby you have this fat guy next to you and then another, and you are squeezed in the middle. It's like, why? Sorry for the big guys, but it happens. But again, for somebody to, to care enough for you, like, man, you know what? Don't go there because of your situation. I want you to roll with us this side. So he's coming from first class to economy, and you are from economy. Again, you are upgraded to that level. Think about Jesus. I mean, it's not even this. We are cruising first class as we are heading to heaven, friends. We get more than that because our God, again, he owns all things. I don't even know what it will look like. But that's what you don't want your neighbor to have who doesn't know him. Can you imagine? You have a responsibility to lead and guide people to know Christ. Guys, it's not even a first class. It's beyond that. I'm just giving you something simple because I'm flying a few days from today. It makes sense for, me, for somebody to give me first class ticket. Yeah, please. So, <laughs> but Christ, Christ, guys, think about that. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on my behalf. It's like somebody on death row and tomorrow you're dying. And then somebody, he doesn't even know you, but he sees the sorrow in you and say, you know what? Man, I think he's still young. He's 21. Don't kill him. Just kill me. I'm 70. Let me just take his place. Christ did that for me. He did that for you. But again, there are so many in line. After dying on a cross, again, in John 21, 20, I think it's in the Gospel of John. Verse 
verse 21. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. The disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them, again, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them, and he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. But I just want you to say, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. That was to the disciples. But Pope is kind of expanding this, even to this room. He's sending us. Because he's making an appeal through me and you. Friends, I just want to remind you of that fact. But how does that even look for somebody like you in this room? Again, I'm looking at this group full of young people, very energetic, very ambitious. Being an ambassador, guys, is costly. Again, you just laid about, you know, an ambassador, American ambassador who was killed in Iraq. He went to represent this country and they attacked him. He died. So it is costly to go for him. The question again I begin with, are you ready to go for him? Okay. As a young person in this room, oh, we have PhDs in this room. Do you think, is it worth for a PhD to be a missionary? What did they Again, you look at all your credentials and you say, man, I have a PhD. Imagine me being ambassador to Uganda, a missionary to Uganda. Do they even understand predestination? Now, how will they benefit from all your academic um, endeavors? Again, for young people here, some of you are very smart. You are in UCLA. Hey, I'm getting my master's in medicine. And guess what? Cedars are already knocking. They want you to come. Already they want to place you somewhere because you qualify. You are overqualified. Okay? They want you to work for them. Again, you look at how much you've spent to get to that level. And then, I'm here telling you to be a missionary again. You're going to ask me, do you even know how much it has cost me? And how can I even tell my parents or whoever is supporting to paying your tuition that I'm going to be a missionary? It looks like kind of wasting time, isn't it? Again, the idea is it seems not worth it. How about those, how about those, these young ladies here who are born in California and then you are telling them to go somewhere the other side of the world and they hear all these devastating diseases. Amen. Over there. Can somebody like me even survive in that land? I'm sure our Lord will understand. Anyway, I'm supporting some missionaries and I'm faithful at praying for them. Lord, is this not what you require of me? You may ask that question. Look, that's true. And actually, some of you are mad right now why I'm saying that. Because again, you have invested so much time in your work, man, in your studies to, to get your master's. I don't know what it is. 
And you have really worked hard for that. And for somebody even to mention that you should go and represent God in a foreign country in Cambodia, it's like, that's you insulting me. But again, you can ask Dr. Joseph. He knows the credentials of Moses. Don't you think he know? What was his level of education? Did he, was he a PhD? Guess what God used him to do? He wrote five books in the Bible. Was he a peasant? I guess even our God looks for the best among us. What about the New Testament? Guess what happens there? This guy wrote 15, 13 books of the New Testament. Was he educated? Again, to some of us, maybe those academics, that quickness you have in understanding, maybe God is trying to use you. Again, how faithful are you? Moses' profile was profound at his time. And look at what God used through him. Same is true with Paul. Again, circumcised on the eighth day of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrew, as, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But whatever things were gained to me, the things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ, I'm sure he can definitely use some of you just as he has done before. So, are you ready to go for him? The call tonight is, you are indeed an ambassador for Christ, as though God himself were making an appeal through you. That demands some decision on your part. Are you ready to go for our God? Again, coming from Africa, the first missionary came there in 1840s. Today, Africa, we are still sending missionaries. Now, I don't know if we are sending the very best to go to Africa, even to the mission field, I may say. And you may be shocked for a missionary to say that. Because probably the reason why the world is still struggling so much is because we are not sending the very best to represent our God. And I have confidence in you in this room that you are ready and you are the very best God can use to change the world. Again, you are the fountains of good news. So the question is, Are you ready to count the cost and say, because of you, I want to disregard all of this. I want to count them as rubbish and go for you. Again, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. For young men and women in this room, will you answer the call and go for him? Because what excuse are you going to give? You didn't go to seminary. 
John's preaching is like you were already in a seminary. <laughs> You're better than so many in America. You know that. So you are ready. So it's my prayer tonight that maybe this simple, simple talk would just inspire you. May God prick your hearts to love what he loves and to set aside what is trivial and say, yes, Lord, I'm ready to go for you because he trusts that you can do that. Let's pray. Precious Heavenly Father, our Lord and King, what a privilege, Lord, that undeserving sinners like we in this room, Lord, can sit at your table, Lord, and rejoice for what you have done. Lord, I pray even tonight, if there is any man or woman in this room, Lord, who does not know you, who does not have a personal relationship with you, Lord, to think why he is alive today when so many mangas are perishing. Lord, today is the day of salvation. Lord, I pray that many would reach out to Mark even tonight to see their own spiritual condition, Lord. That Mark may help them to grow in the knowledge and the grace of our beloved Lord and Savior. Thank you for this church. Thank you for the wonderful job my brother is doing in this Bible study as it grows, Lord. May you continue to use it, Lord, to send out men and women as it did send me to Uganda. Lord, entrust them with the treasures of your truth. Because, Lord, if it's not foundation, then which study will it be? It's well taught by Mark and John and such a precious church of truth. May this truth continue to sound forth from here all over the world to your glory. It's in your name that I pray. Amen.